Oh, it's such a it's such a joy to be a part of Kids Sunday and to uh, be able to speak and have the kids worship team and then they do a good job. And then Nick hosting, you're doing a great job, Nick. So good. And then a little bit later, we're going to have the kids' drama team via video help us learn about uh, Deuteronomy 6. So we got some good things planned for this service, and I hope you're enjoying it so far. Well, uh, my name's Ryan Clark. I'm the pastor of children's ministries here at Daybreak. Let me introduce my family, too. You know, I have four-year-old twins, Micah and Julia. We got a picture of them up here. There we go. It's our Easter picture. Uh, my wife, Katie Beth, we got four-year-old twins up there in the background, and then a uh, Connor, he'll be two in September, and uh, he's quite a handful, as you can see. Sometimes he's really happy, and other times he is not. But he's still cute. And, yeah. uh, we are f- finishing up, as Carmen said, the least of these series, and today we're going to focus on a people group that is all around us. It's all around us, and I'm sure you've guessed it, that we're focusing today on kids. On kids, and how we could have a teaching spirit to kids and why this is so important to Jesus. But first, I want to uh, tell you a little story about my son, Micah. Uh, a little while ago, we live in Dillsburg, so we made the trip to the giant in Camp Hill because we heard that they provide free childcare as you shop at the treehouse. And we want to see this for ourselves. So we go there, and sure enough, it's free. You drop Micah and Julia off, and Micah was a little reluctant to go, but he went in. I couldn't believe it. It was like a date while shopping. Just strolling around. Whew. They're having a good time. We have Connor with us. We just keep feeding him so he's happy in the cart. We get our shopping done in record time, even though we were strolling. And uh, we come back. We pay for our stuff. We come back to pick up our kids. Julia comes with us. And Micah, he stands there in the treehouse. And this was his response. I go, come on, Micah, let's go. I'm not kidding you. He went like this. Ah! 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 Like an alien, guys. Like an alien. Like in the, one of those movies. Like, <sighs> holy cow. So I did the first thing any sensible parent would do. I looked around to see who was watching. <laughs> sure enough, there was two ladies watching me that worked in the treehouse staring at me. No doubt in my mind they were judging me. And so I did the second thing that parents would do. I rushed in there, picked them up, and I ran them to a deserted aisle so nobody can see. I was very concerned about myself, as you, as you can see. <laughs> and that is when I put him down and I started showing some concern for my sons. <laughs> Nobody could see. I said, what's wrong, Micah? Uh, uh, I wanted you to be able to come in. I go, that's it? Well, I'm not allowed in. Oh, that was it. <laughs> at that moment, at that moment, Katie, Beth, and I made a decision that we were not going to judge parents any longer, no matter what kind of behavior their kids are going to be exhibiting. Because we used to say, oh, they must not be disciplined. Well, I can assure you, Micah does get disciplined at home, and he still just reacted that way for just because he wanted me to come in. So we're going to make a change here. Instead of judging, we're going to do something better, what Jesus wants us to do with kids, and we're, we're going to have a teaching spirit when it comes to kids. Uh, but first... But first, we're going to see why this is so important. And that to go ahead and get out your outline, and we're going to learn about having a teaching spirit. And the first point is when I see God's face in his children. There's a few passages that are really exciting to study because Jesus uses a child as such strong symbolism for us, how we can act, how we should treat kids. 
and how, how he became a child. So let's explore that. Matthew 18, 5. Jesus said, And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. Now that sounds familiar, right? We've been learning the least of these series in Matthew 25, where Jesus said, you know, when I, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I didn't have a place to stay, you took me in. And he didn't say kids in that passage. Well, that's because he said it in this one. He said, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. So Jesus equates welcoming a child to welcoming him. So let's explore why Jesus connects himself with kids. We're going to read the context of verse 5. We're going to read Matthew 18, 1 through 4. It's there in your outline. I'm going to just read it from the Bible. Uh, Matthew 18, 1 through 4. I'm going to have you underline four phrases in here too. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins, underline that phrase, turn from your sins, and become like little children, underline become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty strong stuff. Then he goes on. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child, underline that, humble as this little child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So after explaining that, that's when he goes on to say, Matthew 18, 5, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. And you can underline welcomes a little child. Let's, let's talk about these verses. The first verse, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is calling us to turn from our sins. And what he's referring to here is the salvation message. Salvation message. Romans 3.23 says everybody has sinned. Everyone. And then Romans 6.23 says the penalty of sin is death. Good. Is death. So all of us have a death sentence upon our heads because we've all sinned. Now God, out of his love, wanted to provide a way for us to get rid of that sin. So he sent his own son, Jesus, to come to earth. And Jesus is the only person, says in Hebrews, that came to earth and did not sin because he's fully God and fully man. So he didn't have that death sentence, but he chose to have it. He chose to die and take our punishment. And he died on the cross and rose from the dead. So anyone who believes and decides to follow Jesus, their sin is gone. That death sentence is gone. That's what it means to turn from our sins. And that's the only way to get into the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus says you have to do it in a certain posture, doesn't he? That next phrase I had to underline. Become like little children. As you're doing that, there's two things. You, you have to become like a little ch- child because you have to have faith of what, in what Jesus did because we weren't there. We have to believe like a kid believed. But also we're reborn. When we turn from our sins and accept Jesus as our Savior, we're reborn. We're a little child. We're a little child. So that is our posture. We become like a little children and that is the way we get into the kingdom of heaven. And then... Verse 4, Jesus goes on to use children as an example of how we could be great by being humble, by being humble. When you're a child, or when you, when you were a child, when you see children, they have to be very humble, don't they? They have a lot of needs, and they have to rely on adults and others to take care of their needs. And when, when Jesus is saying, we want to be great, we have to be humble, that's because we have to rely on him and rely on other Christians to meet our spiritual needs, to get us farther along in the journey, to help us grow up. 
Because if we don't, if we're not humble and think we got it all together, guess what? We're not going to be growing very much. We're not going to be getting far on the journey. And that's why I feel like this passage is, is so good on family. And it's after Jesus explains that, he goes on to say, and then anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. So it's very cyclical. It's like a family. So we turn from our sins and be reborn like a child. And then as in our humility, we grow up and get farther along on our journey. But then Jesus says, don't forget about welcome these other children. Welcome these other little children. I think he's referring to a two-part meaning here, welcoming other spiritual kids. Because now that you're grown up a little bit, you've got to help these other kids, spiritual kids. But I think we could also refer to real kids and helping their physical needs as well as their spiritual needs. So it's a big verse about family, a church family. Now, let's be real, though. When we look at kids and their behavior, do we seem to think, oh, wow, I catch that symbolism there. That is how I should behave. That's how Jesus wants me to behave, right? Not really. I mean, most of the time, we're kind of annoyed. Uh, Let's be honest. So, back before I had kids, and I would fly in an airplane, and if there's a seat next to me, I would watch, you know, we always watch who's going to come down, who's going to sit. It's like this big mystery. Who's going to come sit? And when I see someone carrying a baby or child, I'm not lying to you, I would pray that they would not sit next to me. And you know, they got the whole cabin pressure thing going. You know they're going to cry at some point. And I was just, I don't want to be there. I want to sleep on the plane. I don't do that anymore because now it's probably my kids that are screaming on the plane. Actually, actually we just drive now. <laughs> Three kids, we're driving. So, but I get to see a different perspective as, as a children's pastor. And I'm sure some of you that interact with kids get to see a different side of kids. There's a fourth grader a couple years ago that his name was Nick, and I, I specifically remember him because he had a huge heart. We have a one-on-one ministry, a support ministry and children's ministry where kids with special needs or kids that need a little extra help in their classroom, you guys sign up to be a one-on-one, and Jen Bits will, will train you. She's really good in that, has a heart for that, and you help this child in their classroom. Now, there's some support rooms that they could come out of, but they wanna, we want to join them. We want them to join us in large group time, the small group time, as much as possible. And Nick, every time he saw a kid that with special needs that had a one-on-one, he would go to that person and sit by them and interact and talk and just show love. What a huge heart this fourth grader had. I had never seen that before. Never seen that before. And when I look at other kids and notice the good behavior that they exhibit, I notice that they have huge hearts, that kids are completely trusting, that they have an easy time having tons of faith in others, especially adults. Guys, that's what we could see. That's how we can become a little child, like Jesus wants us to be. Jesus did something similar, remember, he humbled himself like a child by becoming a child. Now let's explore this verse, Philippians 2, 5 through 9, that Paul wrote. It's kind of been our, one of the theme verses through the least of these series. So let's read it together. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, 
he gave up his divine privileges. Just gave them up. And he did this out of love for us. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. I'm going to need a volunteer to make this next point. I need a first grade boy. Do we have any first grade boys in here? First grade boys. They all came to first service. All right, all right. Uh, oh, oh, we got one, we got one. Come on up, come on up. All you need to do is stand right here. I'm going to move this too. Brandon. Can you stand right here? All right, well, this is Brandon. And uh, when we picture Jesus in our mind, do we picture Jesus as a kid like this? Do you, Brandon, do you picture Jesus as a kid or do you picture him as an adult? An adult. I think that's natural for us to do. But Jesus came to earth. He humbled himself and became a child. Jesus was about this tall once. Jesus was about this much, this big. But we don't usually picture. So I'm going to read some things, some truths about Jesus from the scripture. And we could picture, as we keep looking at Brandon, okay? I'm going to read some things. You could just look out at everyone, all right? (laughs) All right, I'll stand next to you. Okay. John 1 tells us that the earth was created through Jesus. That Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus will judge the entire earth. Every tongue and every nation in the whole earth will bow down to Jesus. Yet Jesus chose to once become a child. Jesus, a child. Guys, I believe that's why children are so important to Jesus. That's why children are so symbolic and he talks about children so much in the Bible because he was once a child. And that is why in this spiritual family it's important to help other children and to make a connection with them. All right, Brandon, thanks. That's it. Give a hand. Nice job. I like that. Well, we studied a few passages about the symbolic meaning to children. And now we're going to study the whole rest of the Bible in point two. So, the outline. I'll summarize. Uh, I have a teaching spirit when I recognize how important it is to Jesus. So having a teaching spirit is so important to Jesus. I was studying a lot of the kids' passages in the Bible. And I was amazed to find that most of the references to children also have a teaching component. Here's an example. When David was writing in Psalm 34:11, Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. So a reference children, and right with that is teaching. Most of the passages in the Bible about children have that connection. So it's very important. When it's said a lot of time in Scripture, it's very important. And then there's three crazy warnings in Scripture that we're going to read this morning just for fun because they're so crazy. And so am I. Matthew 18, 6. They're in your program guide there. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, 
it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Come on. Trust is so important to Jesus. Don't break that trust. I mean, these millstones were huge. That's what they ground wheat in to make grain to make wheat. You don't want one of those around your neck. Kids are important. Having a teaching spirit is important to Jesus. Matthew 18.10 Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. God thinks kids are so important that he's in constant communication talking about them in heaven. That's crazy, huh? I never thought about that. The last crazy verse. Matthew 19.14 We all are familiar with this one. The disciples weren't letting kids come to Jesus. You don't want to do that. You don't want to cross Jesus like that. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. And then he says, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. That kind of goes along with turning from our sins and becoming like children. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like children. Guys, it is important to have a teaching spirit with children. Jesus cares about kids so much that the scriptures teach that each and every one of us in our spiritual family has some responsibility to teach kids and love them. But what if you don't have kids? What if you don't even like kids? I understand. What if you're empty nesters? What if you're young? What if you act like a kid? Well, so do I. Well, let me give you some creative ideas. Let me give you some creative ideas. And that's in point three. I have a teaching spirit when I respond creatively to his challenge. We've got to be creative here. If we realize, if we see God's face in each and every one of his children, if we recognize how important this is to Jesus, and each one of us has to have a part, wants to have a part, we have to be creative about it. So uh, I have this little catchphrase for you. It's the big idea in your program guide. And it's this. It's my responsibility to reverse the ratio. It's my responsibility to reverse the ratio. I'm going to explain that in a second. My responsibility to reverse the ratio. Each one of us can have a responsibility. You may be familiar with our sign-in sheets. I have a little picture of the sign-in sheets in children's ministry. That's what it looks like. Mike and Julia, they're signed in. JV3. And see at the bottom there, it says the ratio is seven children to one coach. No more than 16 children with two adults, and it goes on. But that, we, we put a lot of time and, and, and effort into finding the right number of kids per one adult so that in every room we could have an environment that can teach kids and that's not too crazy. It's still a little crazy, but it's not too crazy, and it's still safe. So we have a minimum of two volunteers for the safety reason. So that is our ratio. But I want to paint a picture for you this morning. I want to reverse that. I want to reverse the ratio. Not necessarily seven to one, but imagine what it would be like if all of the adults in Daybreak Church family focused to make one connection with the child. I want to see five adults per one child. I'm going to reverse this ratio. Five adults per one child. I believe we can do it. And let me give you a little idea, a picture of what that would look like. Imagine a church family that supports one another, another family that goes to their friends' kids' games, that 
learns together as a family, that talks about things that they're struggling with, that can speak truth to someone else's kid, and it's okay. That prays together as a family. Here's some examples of how I have the privilege of being a connection to kids. Remember Nick I was talking about, the guy with the fourth grader with the huge heart? Well, now he's a sixth grader, and I saw him the other week, him and his mom, and I said, Nick, you know why I remember you? And he goes, why? I go, because you have the biggest heart for kids with special needs. I'd never seen that before, and I haven't seen it since. And his mom goes, yeah, he does. And so I just made the offhand comment, you know, when you're looking for what to do with the rest of your life, maybe you should go down that road. His mom goes, we never thought of that. Guys, just that offhand comment, I might have changed the course of a boy's life. Uh, that, thank you, Lord. This week, Jen Bits, who you're going to meet later doing the memory verse, uh, she called me up and she said, Maddie, her daughter, her five-year-old daughter, wants me to tell you, Pastor Ryan, that she accepted Jesus as her Savior. And that she now has the Holy Spirit living inside of her. She wants you to know that. Now, did I have a part in that? No. But since I have a relationship with that family, I got to hear the news, and it blessed my day. Oh, it's so awesome. Guys, you guys can have a part in another kid's life, maybe in their salvation. A few months ago, I was in, I was in class, and a kid came up to me, and said that they wanted to accept Jesus as their Savior. Great, great. So I have my Bible with all the tabs so we could review the gospel message. Before that happens, we wait for after the church service, and then we call our parents into their room so we could do this as a group. We got Bob Fagley and Marceline Downler. They were their coaches. We called them all in. I went through the salvation message. I said, is that something to do? You want to pray? She says, yes. I was able to lead her through the prayer. She accepted Jesus as her Savior. Everyone's crying so happy. Guys, you don't have to be an expert to make a connection with kids. You just have to be intentional and take some responsibility to reverse the ratio. An enormous teaching and life-changing moment for a child may come from someone other than their parent. I don't understand. It's a phenomenon. Parents will be telling their kids the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And then uh, uh, just a friend maybe says, you know what? You should help kids with special needs. And it's like, yeah, I should. And all of a sudden they get it. Or, you know what? You should probably not talk to your mom like that. And the child will go, okay. And all of a sudden their parents are sitting there like, I've been saying that for years. (laughs) Finally. But of course, they're happy. So I I encourage you to maybe be that. Be that truth speaker, that truth teller to someone else. I'm going to give you two ways that you can do this easily. If you don't have a connection with kids, let's say you don't know another family with kids, you're young, you, you don't have, you're not in a small group, you don't know someone with kids, you don't really regularly interact with kids, there's two huge ministries in Daybreak Church, children's ministries and student ministries. It's very easy, and we'd love to have you sign up and be one connection to kids, to a child. Just fill out a volunteer application. We get a tour. We apprentice you. We train you. Both student ministries and children's ministry does this, and you could be 
connected. You could be one more connected to a child, so we could reverse that ratio, five to one. Let's say you're in a small group, or you know other families. You might have kids, and you will know other families with kids. I challenge you to be more intentional, to get down. When you see other kids, get down on their level and talk to them. We have a little, little saying that we do in children's ministry. It's really easy to talk to kids. Three things. You could ask about their pets. You could ask about their family. You could ask about their school. Right there. 30-minute conversation. Just get them talking. What happened to you, that pet? It died. <gasps> it's usually the fish or the hamsters. Poor fish and hamsters. Well, the Bible in Deuteronomy gives us other practical ways on how we could teach kids. So if you are ready to take responsibility to reverse the ratio, our kids' drama team made a little movie. It's 10 minutes long, little movie based on Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9, to help us learn how to teach kids and have a teaching spirit. So you can follow along. It starts out, uh, Coach Isaiah, this is like a, this is a doubleheader classroom. A doubleheader is when the elementary school, we call them varsity, are here for two services. When their parents sit and serve, they go to doubleheader, and they go a little deeper in, in the lesson. So this is a doubleheader class, and Coach Isaiah is going to read, start out by reading Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9, and you can follow along in your program guide. Let's watch that together. That was a great class today. You guys did awesome. For next week, I want you to read chapter Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 8, and think about what they mean. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands what I'm giving you today. Read them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're at or going up, going, getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now think about what these verses mean. You must commit yourself wholeheartedly. I wonder what that means. It probably mean, means being at church all the time, or maybe even be living at church. Can there be anything better than living at church? I don't know, Mom. The floor is kind of hard, and the building's kind of creepy with all the lights off. And Pastor Joel keeps waking me up at 4 a.m. practicing his sermons. Is it normal to laugh at your own jokes? No one's like committing yourself to God all your heart was easy. Just think of it as camping, but without all the fun parts. Well, we better hit the hay so we can be the first in line to sit at the 9 o'clock service. Hi, ready to go? I don't want to live at church. What? Sorry, I was just thinking what it means to commit yourself to God wholeheartedly. Hmm, I think.
think when you love God with everything, you have and channel with your choices. You are committing to God wholeheartedly. Do you remember the only two ball games you missed this season? Of course I do. We were on our way to the game when I pointed out a family standing on the side of the road. There was smoke coming out of the engine. We stopped and it took forever, but I guess it was worth it. Oh, and there was this other time when there was um, this, a game the same time scheduled as church. Right. You chose to help someone even though you were in a hurry. And you chose to go to church even though it was a game day. Both, both these were times where you, made, where you made a decision that you thought would make God happy. That is committing yourself to God wholeheartedly. Oh, thanks, Mom. I think I get it. I wonder what it means to repeat God's commandments again and again and talk about them at home. Hi, Mom. You know what? Today I was reading my Bible, and it was, I read the verse, Honor your father and mother. Cool. Do we have any snacks? Opening the fridge reminds me of opening my Bible, which reminds me of the verse, Honor your father and mother. Do you want to talk about that verse? We just did. Okay. Hey, do you want to see the neat penguin eraser I want at school? Penguin. That, that reminds me of the South Pole, which reminds me of snow, which reminds me of skiing, which reminds me of ski lodges, which reminds me of the wood buildings, which reminds me of the house where your dad and I live, which reminds me of the verse, honor your father and Miller. Do you? Honor your father and Miller. Are you? Honor your father and Miller. Should I? Honor your father and Miller. Are you ready to go? I'm so glad you did not say the word honor. What? Sorry, I was just wondering what the Bible means when it talks about teaching a kid at home. Interesting. Do you remember last week at home when we went over your take-home paper from church and we talked about joining God's love in a practical way? I remember. We ended up cleaning Miss Martin's yard. That's right. We talked about God's word, what it means, and did it as a family. Huh. Thanks. That makes a lot of sense. I wonder what it means to talk about God's command on the road. Hmm. It's time to pick up your sister from dance class. You know what that means? It's time to continue to memorize the entire Bible while we're driving. Next is Nehemiah chapter 10. I love this. But Dad, it's starting. Nehemiah chapter 10. Chapter 10. King James Version. James Version. First one. Now those that sealed were Nehemiah, the Tershatha, the son of Hakalai, and Zitkajah, Sirai, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pashur, Amariah, Malkijah, Hatush, Shabaniah, Malch, Hiram, Meramoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Ginnathon, Baruch, Meshulam, Abijah, Mijah. Dad, we got your first leaf again. It's starting. Benua, the sons of Hanadad, Camille, and their brethren, Shebaniah, Hodijah, Kilita. Are you ready to go? Um, I guess so. What, are you listening, what were you listening to in a car? What do you mean? Um, do you know what it means to talk about God on the road? Sure, do you remember when we were jamming to the kids' worship music on the way here? Yeah, that was so fun. Yes, it was. And after each song, we talked about what each song meant. I get it. That's a perfect example of talking about God on the road. Thanks, Dad. I 
wonder what it means to talk about God's commandments when you are going to bed and when you're getting up. Time for morning Bible study review. Let's start with worship. the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20. Have no other gods but God. Don't make idols. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. Observe the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Say that one again with some feeling. Honor your father and mother. Keep going. Do not murder, commit adultery, steal, lie, or convict. Very good. Time for a prayer walk and then off to school. It's 6.30. Time to start getting ready for bed by singing worship and doing your scrimmage workbook. Your love will last forever. Where'd he go? Did you have fun? Does the Bible really say to get up really early so that we can study God's commandments? God does want you to start the day and end the day focused on Him. That's why we pray before you go off to school, and that's why we pray before you go to bed. If you want, I could wake you up when I get up so you can read your Bible. Hmm, I guess I could try that. Cool. Thank you. I wonder what it means to tie God's commands to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Hey, Michael, come over here and give me a high five. Where are you? I can't quite see where I'm going. Just follow my voice. Good job. Now give me that high five. My bad. These nuts sure are annoying. Hey, you ready to go? I think so. This verse here doesn't mean I should tie Bibles to my hands. That's a great question. I think it's more about memorizing and knowing what the verses mean as opposed to actually doing the tying. Oh, that makes sense. Thanks, Dad. No problem. I wonder what it means to write God's commandments on the doorposts of your house and on and on your gates. Is that your dad? What is he doing? Hey, son. Well, what do you think? Why did you hang all of those? Because this is so in the Bible. And we want everyone to know that we follow God's commands and that they should obey them too. But my friends are laughing at me. Hey guys, I have some extra signs and nails for you to hang them up in your house too. No thanks. No offense, but those look weird. <laughs> I know you're joking. Here. No, we don't want them. Dad, stop. <laughs> no, you Well, did you have fun? Does the Bible really say to hang verses all around the house for the neighborhood? I've never really seen anyone else doing that. God does call us to be a light to our neighborhood. It's, he wants us to share his commands with others. It's also great to put up reminders of his promises and commands around the house. That, that is why we have, uh, that's why we have his, that's why we have verses up on the fridge and on the mirror. Hmm, I've always wondered why those verses were hanging up around the house. 
thanks. I really think they got it today. Sweet. Good drama team at hand. Those are our third and fourth graders from the Gettysburg Pike and Good Hope Road campus coming together for that movie. That was amazing. Well, let me just recap. Verse 6, verse 6, Deuteronomy 6, 6. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands when you are, or, or that I'm giving you today. So the basis of being, having a teaching spirit and being able to teach kids is knowing God's word. So I encourage you to be in the word. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to be in the word, learning the word. It's okay to say, I don't know. When a kid asks you a question, when you're teaching, you say, I don't know, I'll get back to you. Uh, I, could, I could do some research online. Just be careful with some sites. I could, call, I could call up Pastor Ryan, and then I'll call someone else and give you the answer. <laughs> but we'll get that answer to you. And I like when I teach kids, I use the, the famous verses, you know, the verses that are very popular, because that's the one come to my mind when I'm teaching a child. That's okay. The famous verses are famous for a reason because they're really good and they're helpful. Verse 7, repeat them again and again. Talk about them at home, on the road, going to bed, and when you're getting up, teach verbally. Treat everything as a teaching moment. Movies especially. What, what, what should have they done? There's lots of movies and conflict, and you could use that as a teaching moment. Uh, shows someone else's action. You could even, when you do something wrong, apologize to your kids and say, listen, this is probably what I should have done. That accomplishes a lot. It lets them know that you're not perfect. It lets them know that, uh, how to act and that you are humble. You're humble, as Jesus was. Verse 8, tie them to your hands, wear them on your foreheads, write them on the doorposts of your house. That was great in, in the video. Now, I see that as modeling, as modeling, always. Kids are amazingly skilled at watching and learning. You can't do, say, do as I say, not as I do. They're very skilled at watching. And uh, so I want to end today by just doing a little skit for you. And I'm going to need a man volunteer. Man volunteer. Man volunteer. Right there, Caleb. Come on. Yes. I love moms volunteering their sons. Come on up here. You got to put this on. And you can zip it up. All right, now I'll take you. You raised your hand earlier, right? Come on up here. I want you to stand over here, Caleb. And you just stand right here. Okay, so there's a bunch of daybreakers uh, through a uh, Ron O'Neill connection, Pastor Ron, that work some Mechanicsburg school police. And I was one of them. My school police career just came to an end. And, uh, but I wanted to share a story of something that really got to me. That really got to me when I was doing school police. So uh, Mechanicsburg has a rule that you can't bring in any food or drink, including water bottles, to their, their, uh, their fields. And this was a soccer tournament. I know it's kind of silly, but these can be thrown on the field, so you can't bring water in. You have to go get some from the concession stand. So this father and son, so I was the school police officer. You're playing me, all right? You're doing a good job, too. I'll tell you what to say in a second. Let just stay right there. And you're playing my son, all right? Cool. Is that okay with you? All right. Says dad. All right, so they had this water bottle, and, and they're talking about it. And, he, and I'd already talked to him once about not bringing water, so they have a water bottle, and he's over here, and he hides it in his pocket like this. And another officer 
because we're working two officers, sees that, so she radios to me and says, this guy coming up has water in his pocket. You need to stop him. And so they come on up, come on over, follow me. And you stop me and you say, there's no bottles allowed, I'm sorry. There's no bottles allowed. And you said it really nicely. And I said, oh yeah? What are you going to do about it, huh? You want to check my pockets? You want to check my pockets? You're not going to let it? What are you going to do about it? You did good. That's some good school police. You should get a call around on you. Now me, I was just like shocked. What am I supposed to do? Ron, dial 911. No, just kidding. Uh, but what was shocking to me is while this guy was going off on me, I was looking directly over at his son standing right there and thinking about what is his son going to learn about talking to police officers or glorified security guards? What is his son going to learn about uh, following rules, respecting authority? Is he going to grow up saying, uh, being kind to the, the, those that are older? You know, probably not, because his dad isn't modeling it. And that really cut me to the heart, and that's happening. So guys, I want us all to take a res- responsibility to reverse the ratio, to be speaking truth into kids' lives, to become like children speak truth into them and not be a person that isn't modeling it. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Well, here's what we're going to do to close the, ser- close the message part of the service is any kids in here, I want you guys to stand up. I want you guys to stand up because we're going to pray for you. Go ahead and stand up. Guys, there's many kids in our neighborhood. There's many kids in this church. There's kids all around us. And I'm asking each and challenging each and every one of us to take responsibility to reverse the ratio. In fact, let me hear you guys say that. It's my responsibility to reverse the ratio. Let me hear you say that. Ready? Go. It's my responsibility. Let's say it again with some feeling. It's my responsibility to reverse the ratio. Nice. I stole that quote off the Kids Drama Team video. That's a good quote. All right, let's pray, guys. Let's pray. Keep standing, kids. Jesus, we thank you for kids. We thank you that you have such a huge heart for kids. Help each one of us realize how important kids are to you. That you want us to teach them. You want us to love them. You want us to have them as an example for how we should act towards you. I pray for every kid here in this worship center that you would bless them, that you would reveal yourself to them, that they would get to know your love so intimately that they would follow you for the rest of their lives. God, use each one of us to connect with them. Inspire us. Give us the words to say so that we can be used by you to help kids follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.